Craggy Island Rugby Episode 8, the Siberia Edition. William is over there for us and that's going to be dominating our show this week. But just to let you know, coming up a little bit later, the story of the game, we were all in studio, myself, Alan and Dave in Galway Bay FM, to bring people live updates from the game and link over to William in the stadium. There's that to come, but to start with, here's William's tale of an incredible journey. Wednesday, the 11th of November 2015, Krasnyarsk in Siberia. It's 6 a.m. in the morning. It's minus 15 degrees centigrade. The first Connacht Eagle has landed. A very good trip, but the cold weather has certainly woken me up. I've been collected by my guide, Anatoly, who will be taking us on our day tour on Friday. And he's going to deposit me now somewhere in the city of Krasnorsk at the hotel. And uh, from there, I'll be sending you a more of a report. But I'll just get Anatoly to say hello. Hello, guys. Welcome to Siberia. And I'm wishing luck to all the athletes that are going to be involved into the match. Yeah, I think by athletes he doesn't mean the fans. I think he means the players. Um, if I have one tip for them, it's going to be run around a lot, boys, because people standing out on the wing could die from exposure. <laughs> Wednesday evening in Krasnorsk and Connacht have arrived so we're nearly all here there's a few more fans coming in tomorrow morning uh, I made a point of being out this afternoon at uh, 3 o'clock just to get a gauge on feel on the temperature uh, and it was mighty cold that's kickoff time on Saturday so it's probably going to be around minus 6, minus 7 it's a very dry cold uh, and it did get a lot worse once the sun started to go down and that really will probably occur around about the end of the first half of the game uh, Connacht have had a training session and a run around and we're hoping to have a media session tomorrow with Connacht and with NSISTM just to get a feel on what they think the situation is here um, the hotel is very good as with most uh, buildings in Russia it's heated to an almost tropical degree I think they're just making up for the fact of uh, how cold it is outside I've had the bizarre situation of having to leave my window open to try to cool the room down because there doesn't seem to be any way to turn the heating off uh, which uh, I suppose cheap natural gas is the cause of that. I uh, had, a, had a walk around. It's an area away from the city centre here. It's the site of the old Krasnorsk airport. The main road in front of the hotel is actually was the main runway up until the mid-1980s. And it's an area with a lot of apartment blocks and some shops, and a reasonable Italian restaurant where I had my lunch. 
And it has a feel of a little bit of prosperity, but it's still a little bit thrown together. I'll have a much better feel on what's going to go on with the rugby tomorrow. As it is now, I think it's uh, about half past eight in the evening, so it's probably time to start thinking about going to bed and seeing if we can just kill off the the time change. And hopefully tomorrow morning I'll be on something approaching Krasnar's time. Okay, it's uh, 10 to 4 in the afternoon here in Krasnarsk and we're at the uh, Connacht training session which is taking place at the NSI ground. We're not sure whether it's their ground ground or their training ground. It is, however, getting dark and it's freezing cold and this is what it's going to be like on uh, Saturday afternoon once we get into the second half, bearing in mind that the stadium is actually down on the river. I would say it's minus eight, minus nine at the moment. It's very hard to tell. Lindley, what do you reckon? Oh, at least that. <laughs> I'd probably put it a little bit higher, actually. It's, it's very cold. And if you notice, look at all the players. Um, they're all wearing their beanies. They're wearing long johns. They're wearing um, warm clothing, basically, for this training session to keep them warm. Now, obviously, they won't be able to do that at the game, but... Theoretically, they'll be playing at, I presumably, on a, they're playing on a heated pitch, and also they'll be playing, um, obviously, at a, at a higher pace. So, but it is, it's extremely cold um, out here, and with the sun having gone down, it's, it's it's actually much colder than it was two hours ago. Yeah, which which begs the question that I've wondered since we arrived, and even before we got here, why this game isn't being kicked off at about twelve or twelve thirty, which, in relative terms, is the warmest part of the day. Um, what it's going to be like here at uh, so we say when the final whistle goes is anybody's guess and the players as, as Lindley says are fully protected here today on a pitch mind you that isn't heated it's an artificial um, surface which has got quite a lot of uh, frozen snow on it anyway that's uh, the latest on the weather front here and uh, we'll talk to you again soon I'm here in Krasnosk with Paul Bunce, who's the fitness coach for Connacht. And we're going to have a little discussion about how Connacht have prepared for what is a rugby match to be played in very extreme conditions. Paul, we've just come back from Connacht's first outdoor training session here in Krasnorsk. And standing on the touchline was extreme. So how do you think the players found it? And uh, how do you think it replicated match conditions? Oh, it was a good uh, opportunity to trial a few things today. So um, uh, as a fitness coach, I think it's, uh, I try and think along the lines of it's all about preparation. What can we do to get the players ready to, to perform? And going there, down there today was exactly that. They got to experience the cold firsthand. It's not just me standing in front of them telling them now. They've got to experience it firsthand. They'll learn from that and they'll turn up. Uh, we'll get another captain's run tomorrow and turn up on Saturday, hopefully at least mentally much more prepared to, uh, to be in that cold. I think it was net, uh, minus 16 or minus up to minus 20 while we're out there uh, this afternoon. Yeah, you really folks cannot believe just how cold it was. How are you going to protect players? Are they wearing any special gear? Are they allowed to wear? What are they allowed to wear to help them cope with it? We've encouraged players to wear uh, one or two base layers of thermal wear, not just compression gear, but thermal wear. Uh, Some players might wear gloves. Uh, they're not allowed to wear uh, compression garments in the lower half of the body. I think that's uh, a rugby ruling. Um, 
keeping track uh, tracksuit bottoms on, tracksuit jackets on when warming up pre-game. Um, when we come into the changing rooms, getting a fresh layer of uh, dry clothing on if, if they get wet. Small things like that. I think um, we, we once again want them to look after themselves and, and just make the right choices. So. And what about preparing subs who are coming on in the game? An integral part of rugby now. Um, it struck me that players who have to come on quickly, maybe in a head injury situation or a blood substitution, how do you keep them warm and ready in uh, when they're sitting around in these temperatures? Well, we're fortunate it hasn't got the Galway rain and wind here, so um, you know we're a little bit more protected that way. But it is still the temperature is very, very cold. I think the key thing for me is that the players dress accordingly. We've got subs jackets, they'll wear tracksuit bottoms. We'll have survival um, blankets. Uh, the tracksuit bottoms that they wear are lined, so that helps keep muscle uh, core muscle temperature much um, much higher than it normally would be if you're sitting in shorts. We'll probably get up and run more frequently, so keep the players moving. Uh, and there's little things, wearing hats, keeping the head warm because you lose a lot of heat through the head. A uh, little, um, I think, is it heat? Uh, heat things they have in their, in their jacket pockets and they press a button and it, it uh, makes their hands a bit warmer. S- small things like that, but I think one of the, for me, the, one of the key things is we keep moving. We don't sit down, we don't get cold. And uh, that way, if something happens, they have to get on there pretty quick. They should be good to go. Uh, I did hear somebody mentioning hot water bottles earlier on was that just uh, a bit of facetious gossip or is that true? Uh, absolutely not, I think you know, um, you look at the theory associated with uh, exercising in the cold and, and keeping players warm or preparing, preparing them for, in a warm up sense there'll be blankets, there'll be hot water bottles survival blankets as well we'll try and keep the change rooms warm That really simple things put into practice like that can really make a, a big benefit to players Moving on from the, the the physical side of it, is is this a sort of a, almost a mind over matter thing that you have to get people mentally prepared to, to be in a different scenario that they would be used to in a normal match day? Absolutely. I can stand in front of the boys and tell them that it's going to be cold and the hand's going to be cold and Pat can tell them from his experiences as a player and as a coach. Uh, it's not until uh, days like today where they get out there and they actually feel their hands cold, even though they've warmed up thoroughly. And they look at their hands and they're probably red with cold. And when the sun goes down, it gets a bit colder, so the second half, they can expect that. It's not until they get out there and experience it and get the mental uh, ability to get their minds around that that, uh, that's, that's got to be extremely beneficial for them. Well, more from Krasnosk. Uh, it's warmed up. It's probably only um, minus 14 now because the sun's nearly out. Uh, myself and Lindley, we've been Christmas shopping, which is um, pretty similar to home. We've been in a supermarket first with an amazing array of food, fresh vegetables, the sort of stuff you would not have seen uh, in the old Soviet Union and the amount and abundance of it. Fresh bread, fresh salami, endless selection of stuff but upstairs is uh, every child's wonderland Christmas toy shop so we've had a look around there and we haven't bought one for everyone in the audience I'm sorry we're not that generous but uh, what did you think of that Lindley? Everything toy shopping great you love it it brings you back to your childhood (laughs) great array of things in there and um, 
pricey enough for the imported stuff, but the local Russian-made stuff is, is very reasonably priced. And as for all the Christmas decorations, well, it wouldn't be the same with our Christmas tree, would it? Certainly wouldn't. And I have to say, they like a bauble here. Quite a, a, an array of baubles. Uh, and some Christmas music, which uh, you might be hearing in a minute. Um, it's very similar to our own stuff. Anyway, we're off to do a bit more exploring now, because we've had a fortifying coffee. I caused a bit of confusion by wanting cold milk put into an Americano, which apparently is not the way it's done. But that was sorted out fairly happily. And uh, everybody very friendly, except for a very grim security guard, because we went the wrong way around the shop. And he did it. Let us do it once, but we certainly didn't get to do it again. Jerry O'Donnell, president of the Connacht branch here in Krasnorsk. We're standing on the side of the street. The sun's out, but it's now snowing. So this is the proper authentic winter experience that we're getting, and it's still freezing cold. Jerry, uh, so far, how are you finding it? How was your trip over? Very pleasant, William, indeed. Very pleasant. A complete new experience for everybody. But um, it's, it's, we've got a great reception in this town, and uh, I must say it's, it's something to look forward to uh, for Saturday and uh, let's hope we come away with the win but uh, it is definitely something different to say the least Yeah there's, there's no doubt about that just standing here uh, in this sort of rebuilt area that used to be the old airport uh, it does look very very Russian and it's uh, as I keep saying it's very very cold uh, Have you got any indication yet from the locals just how much rugby actually means to them not specifically maybe this match but how important it is in the general consciousness here Yes last year evening we spoke to the PR officer for the local rugby club and he told us that uh, rugby is growing rapidly in schools and universities in the area and uh, some of them are using it, uh, some of the schools are using it as a launching pad to find employment later in life in uh, in Europe, in Western Europe particularly. So these boys, they know what they're on about both on the field and off the field. Just uh, walking now outside the hotel here, Friday evening, going down to a local Italian pizza place. It must be minus 20. It's absolutely crazy. There's no doubt about it. This is the most surreal trip to the most surreal rugby match, I think, that's ever been played in professional rugby it's um it's quite mind-blowing actually I'm, I'm not quite sure that people have quite come to terms with it yet uh it's like a skating rink walking here the road's not too bad but the footpaths have got quite deep snow on them and more snow is forecast overnight so it's uh, all part of this trip it's been dominated a little bit by the weather but in all honesty that is the the salient fact of it and um, both sides tomorrow are going to be tested in ways they possibly have never been tested before, I would say. I appreciate that Krasnarsk are, uh, or NSI, I should say, are a side uh, that this is their hometown. But they don't play rugby in these conditions normally. And now I've got the interesting experience of trying to cross the road here where 
It's a bit of a survival of the fittest job. Anyway, off we go. More later. down in the restaurant now it was a longer walk than it seemed the other day which was done in daylight that was actually almost scary the cold my face felt as if it was being burned off uh, it's re really really extreme stuff here it's interesting when you come into the restaurant everybody is sitting around dressed in their Friday night finery I think they have a lot of young people uh, girls and boys out um, celebrating Friday night there's a couple of people in suits everybody the waitresses are all in t-shirts and jeans uh, while outside the window it's absolutely uh, so cold I'm actually sh sort of shaking um, and I was only out in that for about eight minutes I dread to think what would happen to you if you fell over what your survival time would be one nice touch on the restaurant is the door the handles on the door are actually heated so the warm experience starts even before you come inside all I need now is the food to do a similar job Friday morning Irish time, Friday evening in Russia. William joined the Keith Finnegan show on Galway Bay FM to preview the big game 24 hours later. So it's just coming up to quarter past six in the evening here. The sun has been down now for about two hours. So the temperature goes down maybe three or four degrees almost instantly when the sun departs the horizon. And what's the uh, what's the accommodation like? Are you all okay there? We certainly are. We're uh, we're all in the Hilton Hotel, and they're looking after us really well. They're they're very nice, friendly people. Um, I think everybody comes to Russia maybe expecting people to be a bit grim and a bit unsmiling, and I appreciate they're all in the tourist industry, but they've been really, really helpful to us because we, we've had a lot of questions and stuff to be sorted out, and nobody has let us down. And have you been to the grounds yet, William? Uh, we, I wasn't at the ground today. I was at the training facility yesterday, which is the NSI um, home ground, I have to say, I think that was a major shock to Connacht. I think it brought home to the players and the management just how severe the weather conditions are going to be during this game. Uh, standing on the sideline yesterday was horrendous, really. And um, the players were moving around, but they, they were still, uh, I think, shocked by just how cold it is. I've spoken to a few of them today who were at the captain's run at the Central Stadium. That's a heated pitch. They said the grass cover is good. It's reasonably soft. They were training on an artificial pitch yesterday, which was like a, a rock-hard surface. And they are they know what's ahead of them. It, it's, it's going to be difficult. Um, I spoke to Peter Bunce last night, interviewed him. I think it was played on the, on, uh, on the sports program last night. He's the fitness um, guru with Connacht. And... They have uh, emergency blankets that you use on mountain sites to deal with casualties. Uh, war, uh, <laughs> that's that's the key. That's to try to keep the subs warm. They have they have hot water bottles. They have hand warmers. 
the, the players who are not taking part at the time are carrying uh, two, three layers of clothing and the subs will be moving con- continuously during the game. And any any stop in play, he said, players will have to just keep running and moving because it's it's really extreme. Ali, what do yeah, I wonder how William was going to do the commentary then. Can we, can we expect you to be breathing heavily, William, as you're doing laps of the pitch? Uh, well, uh, I, I'll tell you now, Ali, we, uh, we've just been told uh, that we're not undercover. Uh, the media box is open to the elements. So uh, uh, that's going to be that's going to be more of a challenge. But I have got three woolly hats uh, and a pair of headphones, so that might, that might protect my head. Um, three woolly hats and a pair of headphones, yeah. We, we can't just imagine uh, it here. We're giving out about the way, where I was giving out about hailstones at seven o'clock this morning, uh, but uh, we can't just imagine that kind of cold, can we? If we look at uh, NSA as well, William, I mean, what kind of what are they bringing to the table? These guys, I mean, have they any kind of big name players that would have played internationally with Russia or anything like that? Um, I haven't seen their side as yet. We were at a, a somewhat uh, chaotic press conference yesterday with a lot of translation going on. Uh, it was very short on detail. It was really welcoming us to Krasnorsk and how thrilled they are to have us here. I think what they will bring is um, a degree of strength and passion. I'm not sure how good they are technically. It has to be said, they don't play in these conditions very much themselves. Their season runs from March to September. So they are in their off season. Now, the Russian national side has been training uh, in Moscow in what is described as warm weather training, which I think is, is quite... <laughs> quite it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not quite going to um, down to the south of Spain like the, the, the soccer teams do to have a little bit of a run around uh, in the winter. And they, they're talking a good game. And... It will for Connacht. I think it's going to be as much a physical as it'll be as much a mental battle, and it's a matter of keeping your concentration, trying to to do things very accurately. But how you do that if your hands are like two blocks of ice? I, I just don't know. I don't. I think they're only going to really find out when it starts. All right, William. Listen, we'll be saying a prayer for you tonight. And the, tonight's rules will be offered for you and for your commentary skills tomorrow. Uh, but listen, <laughs> good luck with it. Uh, again, kicking off here eight o'clock local time tomorrow morning. Uh, and when do you return home then, William? Um, I'm coming back a slightly circuitous route, but I'm, I'll be. Uh, leaving at about 6.45 a.m. on Sunday morning and arriving back in Dublin about uh, 6 p.m. On, on the same day. The team are actually going straight from the stadium to the charter and they should actually be back about midnight on Saturday night in, into Shannon. Um, they just wanted to get it done and get back as fast as possible. <laughs> All right. Listen, I, can, them. I can understand that oh, one. Yeah. William, thanks. William Davies, uh, thank you indeed, Dolly. Thanks for joining us as well today. I'm with uh, Yuri Baranov, who's the scrum half and captain of NSI on Saturday. And through a translator, I'm just going to ask him what sort of challenge he's expecting from Connacht. Uh, Ну, для меня, для Енисея, это, наверное, самый знаковый момент в, в истории, наверное, клуба. И мы ждем, на самом деле, битву в хорошем смысле слова, бескомпромиссную борьбу, 
Тем более мы с Конах там встречались и знаем эту команду. Kind of word, and uh, it's a great honor for him and uh, for the team to play against Connacht because uh, we've known each other for several years, and uh, of course uh, it will be exciting. We're obviously not used to the cold weather to this extreme, but your season here tends to end in September. So, is it a challenge for the NSI players to play in conditions like these? Безусловно, они не привыкли к таким погодным условиям, но для Енисея, который тоже не играл с сентября, вот насколько будет тяжело играть при такой погоде? Понятно, в отрицательную температуру играть достаточно тяжело, но мы имели такой опыт, мы два года назад играли в финал, минус шесть было. Надо хорошо разогреться и выйти на матч. После начального свистка, то есть Игра становится обычной, <laughs> от погоды. Uh, so we've had uh, some the similar game two years ago. We played final against minus six, but of course it's difficult to play when it's minus outside. But uh, good warm up and just uh, kick off and uh, you start playing and uh, it's uh, it becomes uh, usual play. match part of the podcast time now Connacht versus NSI coming up we'll have uh, clips from the second half coverage on Goy Bay FM where William Davies was in the stadium and uh, we were in studio we being Alan Deegan myself and Dave Finn Dave welcome to the podcast good morning it's still strange to say good morning it's uh, we're now sitting in a cafe in Goy about to have breakfast after a match it is very surreal after a match and uh, we, like, we, we're not going to use any recording from the first half so we're just going to sum up the first half Alan's not with us now he's off working on rugby tots but uh, leaving that aside uh, 6-0 to Connacht at half time before we get into the second half coverage let's remind the listeners how the first half went minus 20 degrees William barely able to get on the air but he did because he's a genius uh, talk us through it was you normally you say if it's 6-0 and it's played slowly and defences are slightly on top, you're thinking it's a chess match. I think it was just a culture shock for both teams of, of playing in what is effectively an industrial freezer. It was very, very slow. There was some fundamental basic errors in handling and the communication. I think also we have to take into account that it, for a lot of this, this was a, this, I wouldn't say it was a scratch kind of side, but a lot of these guys hadn't played together. So a lot of the natural communications and so almost the telep- telepathy that develops between back rows and scrum, back rows and scrum half and centres wasn't there. 
but we got better as the game went on. We, 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 a definite thing that is, that is, that is coming out is Connacht are learning on their feet, and they learnt on their feet because they had no choice. Because I mean, the pitch clearly didn't. Definitely, we were sold up up and on the soil lesion because it appeared to not be there. Um, and we were sold up up on how cold the actual. We weren't sold up up. We were basically you cannot prepare for how cold it's going to be. They've been training. They, they trained at eight o'clock in the morning to get used to the time difference. So their body, so their biorhythms were, were set for that. But nothing. I mean, short of train, finding a meat factory and training in the fridge, there was no way they could prepare for that level of cold. And they learnt on their feet, and it was fantastic. And especially as we look at the second half. But in the uh, about how much we we, we learnt as we were going along. But in the first half, it really was a case of well, what are we facing how is this affecting us what are we going to can we play any form of our, of our of our normal game plan and there were signs that they were trying to but the conditions were letting them down and also that lack of familiarity with each other was also a factor that we need to we need to take into account for that first half but we went in in front we stopped them from getting a try which looked for a brief second that it was going to happen um, so again, the overall phrase I've been using about this game is professional. It was a very professional first half, though I don't think they would have been. I think they would have been about sixty percent happy with the performance. Well, that's a good summation of the first half. Uh, just to let people know at home, we were in studio. We got a brilliant stream on the laptop. Oh, yeah, so, so it was me, Alan, and yourself. And uh, it was probably Russian television that were doing it because they had multiple camera angles. But the reception was phenomenal. So that meant that when William was trying to deal with all sorts of challenges, like frozen battery packs, no power, we at least knew we had the backup of being able to talk people. The yeah, the only problem was it was the, the risky run with a feed like that was that the guy at the game was a minute, maybe ninety seconds ahead of you. That was the only thing that was wrong with it. What William was saying, it, it, that life seems difficult in that place in those temperatures. Never mind trying to do international sports, anything. Yeah, it's true, and luckily no one's. Well, hopefully, anyways, no one's come away injured. But listen, hey, this is supposed to be the part where we take you through the game, so we, we, we don't know what happened in the second half. Obviously, you do, but uh, let's build up the suspense anyway. Six 0 to Connacht at half time. Here's how Galway Bay took you through the second half. Three minutes into the second half, uh, Connacht have a penalty. Then we'll try and go over to William, but we're going to take you through it on our stream here, which is in studio. Uh, and just make sure we, we think we made contact with William then, so we'll check it after AJ McGinty strikes this kick. It's on the 22. It's on the right-hand side as he looks at the post with his right foot. It's just 15 metres in from the touchline. Has he struck it well enough? AJ McGinty is doing a fine job with the boot. Three from three now. That's excellent stuff. 9-0, a two-score lead for Connacht. Let's see if we have William Davis back online in Krasnyarsk. Uh, just, just, just about, Rob. Uh, the, the lack of power here—you can't charge a battery because they've all failed because of the cold. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling. Good start for Connacht. Uh, they've lost their captain, has gone off. Barazov has uh, replaced at half time. So a nine-nil lead. The, the ball now is about uh, half between the Connacht 22 and the 10 metre line. It's noticeable how slippy the conditions have got at that scrub. And Connacht have driven through. They've kicked the ball down. They're just outside the NSI 22. I would assume that pitch is starting to freeze now. And it's moving forward in um, slow fashion. They're trying to get a bit more expansive. As Connacht to get another few points on the board, I think they might be prepared, NSI, to take a chance. And that might be Connacht's opportunity to, to get further into the match. 
but these conditions are extreme to say the least of it. William, William it's an incredible effort from the Connacht forwards. They're still looking strong, fired up. But they're dealing with some of the condi- conditions that no professional rugby players are going to deal with probably in their career usually. It's been a huge effort and I suppose they deserve a lot of credit for that despite the mistakes which are possibly understandable. They, they deserve huge credit and I, I, I have to say this game is being without doubt the most extreme game of professional rugby that's been played there's no no question about that whether the game should be being played is another matter entirely uh, maybe that's for a, for a later day um, it's, it's now definitely below uh, 20 degrees below freezing here Scrum against ahead again to Connick. George Naupu comes up with it. Now it's Nia Diolokan off a pass from Bundiaki and Adiolokan has got the first try of the game and that's a massive breakthrough for Connick in the 50th minute. Connick driving NSI off the ball with ruthless intensity. Naupu popping it up. Bundiaki getting the ball, skipping uh, Rob, I think, with the pass and uh, could have been Daryl Eder there but it came out to Adiolokan. A good finish from the man who used to play for DCU and has been a, a super real play, player for, uh, for Connick in the last few years. We've used to play for Trinity, I should correct myself. Dave, uh, what a try. Excellent. I think it comes from that front row. They absolutely mangled the, the scrum. George, quick pop pass out to Bundy, who didn't do sort of, he stutter-stepped and he drew the two centres towards him. But great strength for me at the end because it, it wasn't a gimme. confirmed as another try scorer for Connacht. They're now leading by 19 points to nil. That came after the Bundyaki break. Connacht have speeded the game up and are starting now, I think, to pull away. They've had a couple of loose opportunities from uh, NSI and uh, they've, they've punished them. And, and the, the possession and position they had in the uh, first half, they've now turned into points which is what they really needed. Um, All right, William, back in studio here for a second. Just hold the line, we'll come back to you. But uh, lads, just talk us through that try because as William, we were going over to William and he was just trying to set up that try uh, happened. But it was a super break day from Bundiaki. Absolutely outstanding stuff. And that made it. And then a great finish in the corner from Muldoon. That's some very, 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 very positive things to take from that. First of all, the break comes because George Nopu's tackled. He's on the ground and he flicks a pop pass up. Now, it's not particularly high, but Bundy's hands are amazing and he's away. And then you think he's going to get isolated, but there's good recycling, good support support play. Uh, again, uh, then it seems to be breaking down, then McGinty makes a break into the 22, sets up a mall. Good hands from Parada. John Muldoon's in on the corner. Fantastic team try. And given the conditions, an absolutely brilliant try because that's a great, that's, an easy, that's not an easy try in conditions that are perfect. On the conditions like this, that's an exceptional try. Bases scrum, Alan Word on George Naupu. He's been outstanding in this game. It was his superb footwork and just pass off the ground to Bundiaki that released Aki in Connex 22, and he went to, almost the length of the field in the lead up to the second try. Yeah, I have to say, as, as a former number eight myself, there's nothing better than playing behind a pack who's going forward at that pace. Hmm. Um, but George is doing brilliantly to control the ball in these conditions. As you say, it's gone to minus 19 now. <laughs> it's dropping. The temperature's dropping by a degree about every 15 minutes at this stage. Um, but the Connex have really grown into it, and their, their, their hits are sticking now. The, the the you know they've upped the pace of the game from their own point of view not by a huge amount but enough to, to keep the pressure on um, NSI and, and it's uh, all looking really good now
Here come mm. Connacht on the attack. James Conley. Connacht have turned over ball in the NSI 22, and now they're only five metres from the line. And here's Sean O'Brien. We're just talking about him. He's been crucial to everything Galwegians have done well this season in the back row for them, and that's been drawing a lot of attention. Rave reviews. I see Caelan Blade from Monave also on as well. So a lot of the young local talent on the pitch here in the middle of Siberia trying to get Connacht uh, another couple of tries. Maybe a bonus point. Great hands out to Bundiaki. It comes to Dara Leader. He's over the line. Try number three for Connacht. Beautifully finished. strong driving through the middle from Connacht in the 22 who was it that made that break that was brilliant work from Peter Robb he's had a fine game and then the crossfield kick was outstanding Parada read it well is what I'm trying to say as I said already in this game all the tries coming in the second half Connacht led by 6 points to nil after a cagey first half but in the second half the tries have flowed The conversion is over and gone, and the referee immediately blows the final whistle. The players starting to shake hands, Connacht fans up applauding, and that'll beat a bit of heat back into themselves. And that is a job well done for Connacht. They've come here in conditions that are almost indescribable to play rugby, and they've come away with a bonus point win. They can be very pleased with their performance, and they can look forward now. It's got their European campaign off to a solid start. Right, to bookend the story of the match anyways, back here in, uh, in Mr. Waffle just across from the hospital here in Galway City. It's very wet, but I don't think we can complain about the weather after what Williams has gone Anybody who went to... I think the people who live out there are insane. I think anybody who went out on this trip deserves almost a medal. They should all get their personal own St Bernard with a, with a keg of brandy for being out on that so level. William said, I think Kieran in the, from the Connacht clan has organised that they each get a memento, so when people try to say in the future I was there, you have to have one of these mementos. He's worked that out, so that's clever. That's, 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 that, that's a brilliant, brilliant thing. Because, I mean, I... Looked at the, I've seen the photographs. There does appear to be 15 of them. Well, William, a good friend, one of my good friends, my good friend Megan, who works in Dublin airports, um, it was out there, and she's not even, technically she's from Longford, so, uh, so hi to Megan, and hope you get back safe, and uh, the irony being, you'll now see how, uh, how Russian border guards work, and you, you're, you're, you'll never be as angry again. Um, Megan, Megan's a big follower of our podcast, so I have to get a tweet for her. Hello, Megan. But do you know what, we, like, we won't be able to do it now, but maybe next week we should get the full team list of everyone who travelled and read out <laughs> all the names to honour them. They should be listed underneath the comic team. It would, we could literally give everybody a personal hello. Um, yeah, we'll yeah, organise that for next week. Yeah, I mean, fair play. I mean, it's, it's just, to be fair, it is, you're never, there's no logical reason for anybody from Ireland to go to a place like Krasnodarsk. There's absolutely no logical, unless you're into aluminium, there's no logical reason to go there. It is not somewhere that even comes up in, comes up in most people's conversations. We knew of NSA because they have come here a couple of times. But, so why not go for it? No, it would be nice if this game had been played in May, but uh, these, are the, these are the cards you get dealt. OK, so I just got a call from William uh, there, uh, where we were off here, where we were playing some of the other bits of audio, and uh, he says he's in the back of the car with the Russian national team head coach, uh, who's taking them all to dinner, and all, all being uh, Andrew Brown's dad and his brother Damien, all on, on, on board as well. So let's hope they all enjoy that. I don't think this guy speaks a word of English either, so it should be an interesting uh, experience. I'm sure he's going to relay that to us at the end of the podcast but in the meantime uh, when we imagine what that might be like which would be entertaining let's uh, listen to some post-game chat William got up, caught up with uh, Pat Lab and AJ McGinty great performance by AJ McGinty today wasn't it? Superb performance first start 
that I mean, you'd, you'd be wondering. I've just come from a World Cup, played in perfect conditions, and my first game from my new club. It's like, does somebody not like me? <laughs> we start with AJ McGinty, and then we'll go to Pat Lamb. I've got uh, AJ McGinty here with me, uh, making his first Connacht start today. Just how tough were the conditions out there? Um, yeah, they're extremely tough. We kind of actually felt warm enough in the in the warm up. I had a lot of layers on, uh, but then we came in before. I couldn't actually feel my toes even running out. We got the hand warmers out out already. So uh, once we ran out, we kind of. It, Actually, sort of adrenaline got us through maybe the, the first half, although it was a sloppy half, but running out in the second half after a 15-minute break, I think the temperature dropped a bit more and it was absolutely freezing. Like, hands were curling up, so um, it was definitely a major shock to us all. I think we, we underestimated it, but it was hard to um, sort of get, get used to it. Even though we arrived a few days earlier, it was still, it was still shocking conditions. Is partly dealing with that... Um, sort of a, a mental thing as much as a physical thing that you have to stay concentrated when the conditions are so hard yeah I'd say like the whole this, the build up in, in, in this week and up to this game was the mental challenge of the travel and the the, air, the time difference and getting our body clocks ready and we did a lot of work and even uh, starting Monday we, we started on, on Russian time so we were training earlier and then obviously carrying that through and it's important to, to bring that into the game that, that was what the focus was um, so like in the game you're obviously uh, I think the cold is on your mind and you're trying to just put, put it to the back of your mind and, and focus on your performance but maybe a bit slower making decisions or even make, making passes you're not you're not as crisp or the, the handling of the ball isn't isn't as good so it definitely it's, it's a bit of both really and in the second half, Connacht seemed to to lift the pace and move the ball around, which led led to the four tries. Uh, was that something you discussed at half time? Uh, I think in, t- in the first half, there was actually there was a, there was a, a wind going sort of in our face. You couldn't really judge where the wind was going, but definitely in the second half, we kind of had it at our, our backs a bit a bit more. And I think once we got into their half, we put them under. Uh, put them under pressure they made the mistakes and we were just putting pressure on pressure so once we got down there I think we were pretty accurate with with our, with our sort of getting points once we got into their territory once in their 22 whereas in the first half we had chances and we had, we were building momentum and we just maybe a turnover or a penalty holding in the rook or something like that so it was kind of frustrating in, in that sense but once we got that that try in the in the, in the first in the second half behind the rest of them just just followed Pat Connacht have just come off the field with a 31-14 win. Is that the most extreme conditions that a professional rugby match has ever been played in? Oh, without a doubt. I think none of us have ever experienced that before, and that's why I'm extremely proud of the guys. You know, we we knew what we were heading for. We we knew that there was going to be the toughest conditions, and so we sort of set the you know the, these next two weeks about our mental uh, opportunity to grow, our mental toughness, and you know right through the week the boys have been superb in what they've dealt with and uh, the travel and the um, you know, just just a foreign place, and they've enjoyed it. They made the most of it while they're here, but it really wouldn't have counted if we didn't get the points, uh, get the win, and, and you know, getting the bonus point as well was fantastic effort. It was uh, they came in at half time, and uh, they were all extremely cold, and you know, they just guts it out, and they played really well in the second half, and uh, we got that five points, and uh, now we uh, now we head home. 
the first half was was quite edgy and quite tense, and the players seemed to be adjusting to the conditions. What changes did you make in the second at half time? Because the second half started off with a much quicker tempo. Yeah, the, the, exactly. That we wanted to raise the tempo. We felt, you know, the only way they were going to get into we, we wanted to make sure our field positions were on Ian Porter and, and AJ McGinty, Daryl Leader. They put us in the right places. But when we had the ball into that, uh, we we made some you know some little errors. We didn't build pressure, which was which was what our plan was. And then um, we missed a few tackles, which allowed them in. And there's only a scrambling defence that kept them out. And um, so we we spoke about being able to look after the ball. We needed to on attack. Um, you know the first guy going in because they were counter rucking front five or six and just to get our body positions lower. And the boys did that well. And defensively, we needed to get up and knock, knock them over quicker um, and get them down because they were big men. And then we could put some pressure on the breakdown and turn the ball over. So all of the boys just you know executed those things and that and that, um, that, that, that helped us break free. How difficult though is it to execute in conditions like that? What were the players saying about what they were finding out there? Yeah, you know, I think um, all of them were struggling with the hands, particularly out wide. Just it was just getting cold, and I think Bundy got some gloves sent out to him uh, halfway through that first half too. He couldn't feel his hands. But I think you know one of the things that we've been talking about it is a, is a mental. You can't do anything about it. You know, you, ultimately it's just got a mind over matter. And uh, and the boys were great in there. You know, and then the, the young fellas came on and uh, made a difference too and you know it was a great great day for uh, Peter Robb and Sean O'Brien playing their first games first caps for Connacht and both of them can be very uh, proud of themselves uh, they, they they acquitted themselves very well and you know the future of Connacht rugby is in good hands with these young boys coming through it doesn't do maybe to pick out individuals right through a team uh, from my behalf but I thought AJ McGinty had a really composed organised performance yeah you can see he's played at a higher level you know uh, it's the sort of things we saw in the World Cup and you know he was playing with a you know in a team that's one of the, the, the lesser lights against some of the teams he played but you know we can see he's got that composure and uh, his goal kicking was good his, his um, game management was good tackled really well and uh, so he can be very pleased with his effort um, you know, his first start. So uh, we're, 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 it's great to have him there. And, but I think, right, as you said, right, right across the board, I think, um, you know, to a man, it had to be a, a squad effort and, uh, and those conditions. And, uh, you know, everyone played their part. Off on the side, most of this podcast has been a documentary about a trip, but that second half was outstanding from Connacht. Uh, four tries, Adi Olokan nipping in for the first. Great score from John Muldoon after a wonderful break from Bundiaki off an amazing pass off the ground from George Naoop, who played very, very well. Uh, that was the second try. Darren Leader, fine game from him, good try in the corner. And in the corner, then Rory Prada. So, excellent second half, great win for Connacht. It is, and given the conditions, you would expect it to be very much a nutritional man-mountain type of game. We know, we saw with the Georgians who would play in, in who would play in better conditions, but not nice conditions at this time of year. Play in ten man game. Russia, the Russians did have some do have some speedy wingers, but they play an attritional ten man game. We decided we're not going to compromise. We're going to compromise our game to a certain degree because we are playing in in the most unbelievably bizarre set of circumstances. But we didn't come from, in the first half that was very much the case. But in the second half we came out, we got a penalty after two minutes because we forced them to hold on in their own 22. And then after that they went, lads, we can play our own game here. We just have to be a little bit more precise, take a little bit more time. But it then became clear that once we relaxed into the game, once we got more than two scores ahead, we started to play the game that we've been seeing at the sports ground, that we've been seeing in the Pro 12. 
there were offloads. There were offloads. It's, it's, these guys, I mean, if you didn't have the ball in your hands, you're, you were likely to, you were in danger of frostbite. Um, and that's not an exaggeration. It, the fact is that and that also means that your brain is slower. To be able to do what they did in terms of the thinking, in terms of the finishing, in terms of the of just the intelligence, and I said it all. I said it on during the game, and I said it there. It was an incredibly intelligent performance. There were there were things that need to be worked on. I still think we 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 seem to just go off the boil a little when we made a number of substitutions, which is what happens anyway. But I. Highly impressive, and as I said, intelligent learning as the game was going on, learning what to do, what not to do. And if you haven't seen the second try, guys, get to see the second try. It is a wonderful, wonderful try, right from George's offload, right up until the final pass, where Alton Delan picks up a ball, drives into the 22, quick from Porter to Parata, out to John Muldoon in the corner. Wonderful 30 seconds of rugby. Really do recommend somebody get if you haven't seen it, to get a chance to see it. And also AJ's kick for the final try. That's that's clever thinking that late in the game in those conditions when you are tired and you're playing in a fridge yeah what a kick brilliant how many players were we, were we able to leave at home as well from this mission to Russia uh, brief coming up next Saturday at 5 o'clock next, Saturday, next Saturday 5 o'clock they won 13-9 against Newcastle last night very difficult to judge a game from a Twitter feed it seemed to be all brief in the first half and all Newcastle in the second half apparently there was a major injury at the start of the second half to a brief player knocked them completely out but Newcastle didn't seem to have pressed and pressed and pressed so we know that brief are going to be strong in defence but it's one of those things, it's the Challenge Cup, and we saw last year that the two teams that came over just did not travel. They're a wholly different, they're going to be a different proposition in brief, but I don't know what team they'll have. We, we left an entire back row, a starting back row at home. Not necessarily the starting back row, but you, would, you could see, you'd be very happy if the back row was McKeown, Masterson, and, uh, and Napier Fox, Malamua. That's, that They were left behind. Tierno Halloran was left behind. Now, we do have a lot of injuries, but a lot of these guys have come back. Yes, we left, we left Robbie and Kieran behind. We left uh, Nathan behind. Because hopefully, he'll come through. There are guys going to come back into the squad. John Cooney should be back for next week. But there's no guarantee that they should start next week because the guys out in the 23 who went out have put their hands up. Peter Robb, first start. A couple of lovely clean breaks. He stays in contention for next week. AJ stays in contention because, you know, he's kicking. He's kicking well. Even the shots that went that were short were, were on target. They, again, the meteorological conditions made kicking an absolute nightmare. We're now in a position where we don't have to bring these seven guys back in, but we can if we want to, and that's a fantastic position to be in. Dave is busy today as well because he's going to go off and watch Connie Tegans versus Newport, which we might chat about next week as well, just about where they're going, but you'd appreciate this is all about Siberia this week. So, to finish, we're going to let William have the final word, but here's my worry, right? He has to record this tonight, and he's currently in the back of a car heading to somewhere in the centre of Krasnodar where he's going to be treated to dinner by the head coach of the Russian national rugby team. There's a chance that we might have to finish this podcast. I don't know if he's going to get to us. As far as we can make out, William has almost no Russian. We have no idea if this guy is any English. So we may be losing William Davies to the Russian uh, Rugby Federation completely by accident, which I think is the most likely scenario. So as we hand to this link, we don't know what we're handing to. It could be just a summation of the weekend. Hopefully it'll be William's voice. Hopefully he's still okay. My one recommendation to William is they do offer you a contract. Don't sign it. <laughs> That's it from us. We'll be back next week uh, in brief. Let William take you out of this amazing trip to Siberia. And we're talking to you from Gory. Mm-hmm. It's a bit wet here. Does William realise we had to suffer through the rain? Yeah, I don't know which one, but he's dry, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, 
I'm with Alexander Provukin, who is the coach of the national Russian side, as well as the chief coach of NSI, who Connacht have just played. He's very kindly agreed to talk to me. Anastasia is going to do the translation. So I'm going to start by asking him, were those the most severe conditions he's ever seen professional rugby played in? Даже я понимаю, что у ирландцев сегодня были жесткие, но и наш опыт это минус 11. Сегодня было минус 14. Так что сегодня обе команды играли в предельных для каждой из них максимальных условиях. Our previous record was minus 11, so today was minus 14. So it's the severest, the hardest ones for both teams. Хотя еще неделю назад прогнозы давали информацию в 4-6 градусов. But unfortunately, a week ago the forecast for today had been minus 4, minus 6. Сибирь подтвердила, что она Сибирь. But Siberia is Siberia. Yes, it is, and we've had a wonderful welcome here. I'd like to ask Alexander, um, what does rugby mean to people here? Why is rugby so popular in this city and in Russia in general? It's not. It doesn't seem to be a very big game here. Во-первых, сегодня сами увидели, что несмотря на такой мороз, около пяти тысяч болельщиков было на матче. Я думаю, при более благоприятных условиях было бы и Это, это любовь к нашему к виду спорта. Вы знаете, на мой взгляд, вот, все решают люди, все решают личности. И в данном случае в Красноярске, я думаю, сложился вот такой, во-первых, во-первых, два клуба, во-вторых, сильный тренерский состав детских школ, в-третьих, отношения властей, традиции. Сегодня рыбины – это тренд города Красноярска, это его. So you saw that rugby is rather popular in Krasnoyarsk, and today at the stadium were about 5,000 people. And if the weather could have been better, it would be more. And in every kind of sport, personality and people decide all. And it happens that in Krasnoyarsk, such great two great clubs and great support of the local government. And widely developed child rugby and youth rugby, and all that factors, all that points make rugby popular and make rugby developing. У нас очень большое желание играть с вами на равных. Мы постоянно тратим финансы на поездки в Ирландию, в Англию, в Южную Африку для того, чтобы иметь хорошие спарринги, достойные спарринги и на них учиться. Uh, so we are eager and uh, we are keen 
to play with teams like yours. And uh, that's why we every year we spend a lot of money to, to go away, to go and play good sparing with the top teams. Uh, so to have good sparing and uh, to learn how to play, to learn from them. But unfortunately, this happens uh, not very often uh, since uh, our cities and our countries are so far away from each other. And uh, But the process could be mutual. And that is why your coming to our city and your coming to Siberia is very precious for us, for us and for citizens, for rugby fans. It's 11 p.m. on Saturday night in Krasnorsk, and it's still cold. I'm a lot warmer because I'm back in the hotel. That was an amazing day. Uh, It was an amazing match, not so much for the rugby, but just for the whole surrounds of it, the whole surreal value. And I don't think it's something that I'm ever going to forget. Um, it's probably the reason I came. I expected it to be different, and it's been a lot more than that. I think everybody that came here had a certain trepidation. We weren't sure what was going to happen, what it was going to be like. But in truth, the only thing that was cold was the weather. The welcome from the local people here that we engaged with from NSI was warm and accommodating. They did their best to help all the time. And it's now time to say thank you to a few people because putting this Craggy Island podcast together has involved a lot of people. Getting the Galway Bay FM broadcast on today, especially at this end, involved a wing and a prayer at times. But when you're operating in minus 20, um, you just don't know what the equipment's going to do. So I want to thank Angus Cullinan in Galway for a couple of bits of technical kit that I brought with me, which made the whole thing possible. To Louise Creedon, Claire Murphy and Connor McPhillips of Connacht Rugby for their help during the week, and especially for Connor's help today in keeping us on air. Jerry O'Donnell, the president, was welcoming with his time and his demeanour at all times, and that helped. Here, Anatoly Bruanov, who was a guide that I found on TripAdvisor, who was a huge help and also provided two fantastic day tours. James Crosby, photographer. Lindley McKenzie from the Galway Advertiser and the Irish Times and the the Cork Examiner, or the Examiner, I think it's called now. Uh, Kieran McDonnell from The Clan who guided me through the labyrinth that is the Russian visa application process, but also to everybody who travelled. There was about 20 people here. They all contributed in some way to what was an amazing and rather wonderful trip. So thank you all. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk again soon.